We spend a lot of time at the executive level on what is the product promise to the particular user or to that particular use case. And the product promise for us is, we call it wise, workflow, insights, speed, and experience. And so yes. then we have a bunch of KPIs that we track on their behalf. The CSM has a base level framework that they can come back and share. And we should be able to generate that in a couple of minutes That's so that the CSM doesn't have to scramble and it's not putting work on them. The system should be able to do that for them. NPS I Love You is a weekly customer success podcast for people who know that CS is about more than just churn and upsells. It's about people. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and my goal with this show is to give you powerful insights that'll improve your life and the lives of your customers. So Nate Gilmore is CRO at PandaDoc, a leading all-in-one document automation software that streamlines the process of creating, approving, and e-signing proposals, quotes, and contracts. Nate, is that a good summary of PandaDoc, what you guys do? That's amazing. It sounds like it just came straight from our marketing department. So thank you. <laughs> no, I just made it up. I swear I didn't pull that off your website. That was just, you know, the vibe I got. Um, but Nate, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, one of the, the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because in speaking with a lot of CS leaders recently and talking about involvement of sales, involvement of revenue in CS teams, there's a, sort of a debate around who CS should report into. In your role as CRO, you're leading all the revenue teams at PandaDoc. So that's customer success, sales, marketing. I wanted to dig into that and, and see if I can maybe argue with you a little bit and see where we land up, where we end up. Am I, am I correct in assuming that you're a proponent of CS reporting into a CRO instead of a CCO? Well, first of all, I think it depends on the type of company, how the, mm -hmm. the leadership team of the company is already structured for how PandaDoc works and the fact that we're, we help growing businesses, we're not you know, pure enterprise company. Uh, reporting to me is marketing, CS, sales, and CS also includes support. So like all of the touch points to the customer. I think it allows for a lot of cross-functionality. Um, we also have quite a bit of interaction, obviously with product and we're a PLG driven company. So there's just a lot of interaction also between our, our growth product teams as well. Definitely, there's, there's a huge advantage, I think, to having all of those under one roof for kind of cross-team collaboration. One of the, the points that I've, I've heard from people who aren't a fan of, of that sort of model is just the misalignment of incentives. So mm -hmm. how do you make sure that, you know, you're not pushing the CS team too hard to, let's say, be so focused on upsells and revenue that they sacrifice quality of service or relationship building or that sort of thing, while also then obviously making sure that marketing and sales are very focused on demo requests and sales and that sort of thing and vice versa. Yeah. So what's worked for us is CS has adoption, retention, renewal, and then they also have support. Mm -hmm. So all of the, the support functionality as well. Sales has new business and we have an entire staffed account management team that also mm. does that does all of expansion. So I've split new business sellers from expansion sellers and both of those roll up into sales because they tend to have a very similar compensation package with a base variable. The CS team has, tends to be compensated and incentivized against adoption, renewal and retention. Whereas account management 
is split off and put underneath sales, and that is expansion and upsell related. Now, don't get me wrong. The CS organizational leadership and the account management organizational leadership are working together hand in hand, especially on expansion mm-hmm. plays, and they're, they're kind of like constantly working the customer base together. But that's how we've split it up. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's a good way to split things up to make sure that everyone's sort of playing to their strengths, right? And you don't have too much under, you know, one on, on one person's plate. Comp models are a little bit different. Are CSMs, CSMs are still, are they on a fixed or are they on a variable that's divided between, like you said, adoption and renewals and that side of thing? They do have a variable. It's not as the same variable as like the sales team where like 50% of their comp is typically invariable. The CSMs have a, have a higher base percentage. There's a couple of places where like I've just seen us like going back and forth. Should sales be responsible for this? Or CSM should be responsible for this? How do we share this? What metrics should we track? And that's especially around like expansion pipeline development, like generating opportunities off the base. What happens when the CSM organization, the AM organization share targets around expansion? How do you split some of that to the CSM organization? Do you do it based on deal size? Or do you, do you do something else? So these are constant things that I think it's kind of like a learning groove between CSM leadership and AM or account management or sales leadership on like, which are the more important numbers? And trust me, we've tried basically almost every quarter for the last 18 months, we've, we've reset these targets and tried different things. And it's kind of like you're pushing on a, on a string because like you're like, oh, CSMs, you should, let's try and do more upsells in one call. And then all of a sudden like, compensate for that. And all of a sudden that, that number gets blown out and the AMs are like, wait a second, they're not bringing us into meetings and we can't get the additional right. expansion. So it's, it's a collaborative approach. And I think that's where we have very strong CS leadership and strong direct level support under that. And we also have strong sales leadership. And so these are things that like, as long as the leadership is collaborating and willing to test, that's where I think you get the most as opposed to the friction should be mm-hmm. healthy and not unhealthy. Um, and we've seen unhealthy friction and we've also seen healthy friction. We try and stay on the healthy side of it. Yes, the friction is good, but that's a tough balance to strike. Like how do you ensure? And so I have a few questions on this because it's an interesting model. Are CSMs paired with a specific AM? Like are they working with the same account manager to kind of tag team accounts or does that does that change? It depends on the approach that we have to that particular book of business. So in like our strategic accounts, yes. Um, we have a large SMB customer base as well. And in the kind of the mass of customer base, we'll have people assigned, but they kind of move around a lot and they'll kind of be like pooled approaches. So somebody might be approaching differently. So you might, you might have more of a, the, the two teams are aligned as opposed to individuals. But the way that it tends to work is individuals tend to align at the named account and strategic account level. Can you give a specific example of where that sort of relationship can go wrong? Like what happens if the CSM and the AM aren't aligned? Have you seen something happen where you're like, oh crap, that, that's not working. We need to change the incentive here because this person's on this level, this person's on this level. I think there's a, there's a couple of places. So first of all, if you're trying to cross sell into the same account into a different uh, use case, if the, the teams aren't motivated to do that together, there's just not going to be as much sharing of here's who you need to be thinking about. I've talked to them about it. There's there's a lot of like uh, ingrained knowledge, mm. especially that the CSMs have. They can help the the AM really like like cross sell in better. If there's not a motivation there to do that, 
the AM is going to be thinking about something else, or the CSM is going to be thinking about something else. That's where like quarterly objectives and making sure that the the, the alignment is there. I'm like, here's what we're trying to do as a company this quarter. How, how do we do this together? I've also seen it where, if for example, the CSM has a big expansion number in their in their compensation plan, um, and it has to come from the CSM, and it's not like a team number then the CSM may not want to bring in the AM because they're like, well, it's in my compensation plan. That's where I think good alignment and really thinking out, do the compensation plans work together well? And trust me, we've, we've messed it up more than we've probably had it successful, but I think we're getting better every quarter. I think figuring out the right comp plans, especially for growing companies, is one of the most challenging things, yet most critical because it's I mean, people do what they're paid to do, and you can tell them to do A or B or C till the cows come home. But if they're only incentivized by C in their comp, that's what they're going to spend most of their time on. So figuring out not only for the individual, but as a team, as a company, how do you structure those to make sure that cross-functional collaboration is baked in to the comp structure is such a challenge that I think both of us would be hard-pressed to find especially like a growing scale up or startup that that isn't actively struggling with that. Yeah, um, I, I have seen and I have been hearing more and more companies that are actively trying to eliminate variable compensation from some roles. And I think CSMs have been in some of those support specifically at CSM so that it's a lot less compensation driven and more internal motivation and team motivation driven. I'm curious if you've heard yourself of companies that have been doing that and, and if it's come up in your interviews and podcasts and things like that as a successful mechanism. Because I, I, ultimately, like good culture and great people, I hope, kind of sometimes trump minor misalignments in comp. But it, it's hard to do that. And I'd love to figure out how, you know, I think, I think more conscious businesses it might be time to start testing some of that. We haven't done it yet, but um, been thinking about it. It's an interesting topic. So my first CSM role ever, I was on a fixed comp and I built great relationships with customers. I did not do much upselling or expansion. And yep. it's because I was on a fixed comp. Like, and I'm comparing that to one of my following CSM roles where, you know, it was probably 70% of my, my comp was fixed and 30% was variable. There, there is going to be a certain level, I think, of intrinsic motivation to do what you're hired to do and do well and, and do what you're good at. But I think having I mean, I've seen I've definitely heard it be successful where from CS, CS leaders I've spoken with where they've done team based variable comp. I think that yep. can work quite well. But I think there needs to be that element of variable. I mean, for that personally, I think it depends then on who you're hiring, because I'm like, I won't even play doubles tennis. I like to win or lose like as myself. I mean, I collaborate well with other teammates here, but when it comes to my own comp, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want, you know, Joe over there screwing up and, and messing with my comp. So I'll either end up doing part of Joe's job if I need to, or just getting, you know, bothered. But uh, so it's those sorts of things that I think need to be just carefully considered. And yeah, it probably depends on the stage and the growth, but it also depends a lot because I do know some companies where they do fixed and it works quite well, but at those companies, Upselling and expansion, the CSMs aren't touching. They're, you know, focused on adoption and and growth and building strong relationships, and then just looping in the AM or in the back in the original account executive or whomever when it's time for that upsell conversation. And then I've heard the opposite, where CS, uh, I can't remember which company it was, but you know, very very large scale up, and and their CSMs 
are hunters. Like they're, I think, 50% fixed, 50% variable. Extra, and they hire CSMs who have those sales skills and, and have that experience so that they can manage both. And I think the, the difference that we got to in that conversation was that it works well for them because, you know, it, it's, you know, it's a simple product and there's not a ton of complexity with driving adoption and that sort of thing. So hiring CSMs who can also upsell and expand is great versus companies that are more technical and CSMs need to be more coaches and need to have more technical expertise for them it might make more sense to do fixed because, you know, it's, it's a different game game plan, right? I think in my mind, somebody who's on a 50% base, 50% variable is really more sales. So in, in our organization, we've just called those account managers. And account managers, I think it's also a linguistic. Different companies call things differently. They can call a CSM an account manager, right? And it depends. So for us, sales and account management are both like closing functions. And their their variable and base are tends to be more like 50-50. On the adoption and retention, we call this CSM. Um, and it tends to just, it, it's more like 70-30, 75-25. To your point um, of team versus individual, you know, we've done a lot of individual level compensation work. It definitely adds a lot of overhead to comp planning. Mm. There's just a lot of work that tends to happen between the organization compensation in, in my role, you know. Definitely. Last question I wanted to ask you on this before uh, I move on to some questions I have specifically about Panadoc and, and some of your processes there. But personally, uh, going back to sort of one of the original points that, that I asked about, I'm curious how you think about, you know, in your mind, being customer centric in a hyper revenue focused role. So how you think about setting ARR, for example, goals for CS, sales, AMs, while making sure that, you know, you're, you're remaining truly customer centric and not pushing CS too far to, to oversell or, or sell too soon or, or anything like that. Yes. Okay. So um, I think it goes back to the core. So first of all, Pandadoc tracks MPS. We look at MPS consistently. We're, we're, we want to have a great customer experience. We track CSAT for our customer, our support team, so transactional level, like this is all very important. We have onboarding CSAT. So like as the customer comes onboarding, you know, have they gone through that? Are they happy at that point? We're tracking even at the sales handoff, like, you know, I get reports back of like, how was your sales experience? So there's like these various places where I think it's important to track. Does the customer think that the, that the experience has been good? If not, how can we improve? But to your point, about aligning the, the customer's happiness. Uh, I think it comes down to the, the main thing we've been talking about is we've actually split, the CSM has adoption, retention, and renewal. So we're constantly looking at adoption metrics. Are their seats getting filled that they've contracted for, right? And so if the seats aren't filled, that's a risk of not only contraction, but it also means that there's a promise unfulfilled in the value that was sold. That's a problem. We need to solve that because if not, we're going to be having either a contraction, a churn, or an unhappy customer because something happened that was out of alignment. So that's a big, like adoption metrics to what was sold is a big thing. Adoption metrics also on usage and utilization by uh, either at the account level and things like integrations or at the user level on are the users staying um, active if not, should we be deploying more coaching to this particular account? 
do we need to give a, a, a free onboarding to users again because um, the first onboarding didn't really stick? These are things that are part of that adoption mechanism. And then retention and renewal is really tracked at, like, at the account level, at the book of business level, and then at the, at the overall level for that particular month. What percent of our, uh, of our revenue is up for renewal actually gets renewal. It actually has a mm -hmm. renewal, what per, obviously churn and contraction and all of that. So like all of these things we have benchmarked with the idea being that if they're falling out of benchmark, there's something that we need to lean into because it has something to do with customers not getting to value and seeing value. Are we meeting the promise of the buyer as they go through their evolution as a user and subscriber? I love that. I, I always describe when people, you know, back when earlier on people didn't really know what it was, I always described it uh, in saying that sales conceptualizes the vision for the client and CS executes that vision. And I think it's interesting. That's what I thought of the way you described that is sort of you're sitting between those two. You have all the sight into what's been promised and when it's been promised by and all of that. And then on the other side, you have the, you know, column B. How's it being delivered? Has it been delivered? If not, why not? And it's just sort of about, about you look at it as connecting those two and from there figuring out how it's going to impact revenue. So it's really yeah. cool to hear. We've tried to really instrument it at Pandadoc. For our accounts, we do quarterly business reviews. We, we had a QBRs for some of our more strategic accounts. It took a long time to prep. And so what we yeah. dove down into is we, we had like a product promise and like, for us, it's around time to document sent and time to sign mm -hmm. and kind of like these document initiatives and as well as like user adoption. And we've actually used Pandadoc and um, automated it into product reporting so that our CSMs should be able to generate a QBR mm. for our customer without a lot of work. And so that we can actually go, here's what we promise our accounts as they come in, here's how we're matching up to that promise and here's some metrics to help us. It's not perfect, but it drives the conversation so that the customer knows that we're tracking our own value metrics on their behalf and we have something to propose to them. And then we can riff on that between that particular account. We have a different value metric for this particular user type or something like that. And so we can, we can get to that. So these like, Time to QBR for CSMs, especially if they're managing kind of a, a larger customer base, is actually really important to take pressure off the CSM organization. You know, we're, we've been driving down Definitely. those time from like multiple hours of prep to minutes now so that they can actually go, okay, let's generate this doc, let's get it out, and let's be able to, to have this conversation so that they know that we're watching them and that we're, we're actually trying to drink our own champagne with the product so that PandaDoc is used at the new business on our renewals, obviously for the contracting. It's also used for our expansion team to propose new business, but it's also used for our CSMs in order to tell the customer in a document format, here's all the variables that we're tracking. We'll pull that straight out and inject it into a Pandadoc and send it to them. And as Pandadoc grows, CS QBR use case is a big one for us. That's really cool. I would not, I would definitely not have thought that you'd be able to use Pandadoc for, because our team at Catalyst uses Pandadoc. I, I wouldn't have thought that you'd be able to use it for QBRs, but that's a really creative way. 
we spend a lot of time at the executive level on what is the product promise to the particular user or to that particular use case. And the product promise for us is, we call it wise, workflow, insights, speed, and experience. And so yes. then we have a bunch of KPIs that we track on their behalf. The CSM has a base level framework that they can come back and share. And we should be able to generate mm -hmm. that in a couple of minutes so that the CSM doesn't have to scramble and it's not putting work on them. The system should be able to do that for them. Definitely. I mean, that's one of the things I was excited about when I joined Catalyst because I was coming from a company that I was doing that, but in Google Sheets. So I was, yep. you know, crazy hours of prep time. And then eventually I, I just gave up on making like all these crazy decks and I would just make a Google Sheet. And I used that to basically every meeting we would check in on what was in the Google Sheet. And I was up, still updating the numbers, but I just got got lazier about the design element. I was like, that nothing yep. matters except for like these metrics. We all agree to that. But with joining Catalyst, we have, it's really cool because the, one of the things about it is that you've got customizable dashboards. So when you log in, it's not like one dashboard for the whole CSM team as mm -hmm. the CSM, I could have my, you know, all my individual metrics, my like, you know, book of business overview dashboard, but I could have separate things for each account so that if I want to quickly see a snapshot of where this account is at, their product utilization, their health, recent changes, all this kind of stuff, what their goals were, I can just sort of click into that. Uh, and it's integrated. So I'm like, I, I love that sort of thing because it just makes CSM's life so much easier. It's Absolutely. a huge improvement. If you can save a CSM three hours of time or something like that for every customer, every quarter. Totally agree. And, and at Pandadoc, we're trying to take something similar than that one step further because experience for us is like, the beauty of information display. So if you think about a document, mm -hmm. needs to look good to make the yep. sender build credibility with the recipient, right? So Definitely. like document experience and overall look and feel is really important, especially in, you know, whether it be you're sending an NDA or you're sending like a million dollar proposal, mm -hmm. right? Can you make these things happen quick? So we've actually taken that experience and said, well, the CSMs, quarterly business review is as important as the first sale. And so how do we make that document experience look really good, but take the weight off of the CSM by putting it into a template and then have the, having mm -hmm. the template have variables that could pull right out of the database and custom filled for them. So then they can edit it and they can put in some notes around it to personalize mm -hmm. it. And so that experience is speed to document, speed to beautiful experience, and also customizability and personalization of the document experience to them. So that like, you know, then you're not custom doing a, a, a Google slideshow or something like that. It just, it's the document, they have it, they can keep it long-term, you can save it, archive it, and look at them quarter by quarter. It just makes me happy hearing the phrase document experience. Like, I love these things where it's, it's not something that I would ever consciously think about like I you know it's like who's focused on improving that but it's if you think about how many documents you're you're going through every day and how badly you need this kind of stuff it's really cool to hear that that's I mean it makes perfect sense that that's something you guys are thinking extremely deeply about but it's just funny it's it's one of those things that you wouldn't think about often or it's not even something that's you never open a Word doc and you're like, man, this this document experience is terrible. Document you're just like, this is an ugly, <laughs> ugly ass Word document. Like, I want to get in and get out. But I think it's really cool that you're kind of putting that ex customer and document experience front and center, using it for yourself, and then 
like using Pandadoc for Pandadoc and seeing where there are opportunities to improve it and use, create new use cases. That's, that's really cool. The experience is on the sender side and on the recipient side. When those experiences come together and both sides come together, like this was easy for me to generate, so I actually did it. You know, if it takes a CSM, you know, an hour or two to generate a QBR, then you're not going to get very good ones at scale. And yeah. you're not going to get them consistently because it's going to pull them out. If it takes them five or 10 minutes, same with like my new business. So when my sales team sends a proposal, they should be able to generate that proposal in like 10 minutes. That way, the last call of the day, they've got something they really want to get out to on their own personal life. They still have the document generation experience is so simple that they'll just get it done to get it off their plate and it gets it out in that extra yeah. couple of minutes of time is really great for overall deal time. Time to deal right. and time to speed to document generation and speed to sign. Same thing on the CSM experience. Well, if they get that thing done the night before, then maybe that customer has a few minutes to consume it that night before an early morning call and it just makes everybody's life easier. Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit Catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out Catalyst.io to learn more. Speaking of thinking things through, I'm very curious to hear how this went. So at the start of the pandemic, Pandadoc actually launched free signatures for companies. So mm -hmm. as CRO, looking back a year later, I'm curious, like, what was the impact of that on your revenue goals? And, and are you happy that do you think it was the right decision to make? It's absolutely. So this was our CEO um, was really pushing for this and the team got it done. And I think certainly less than 72 hours. Right from idea locked all to the like, engineers in their homes or something. I mean, it was like the, the it's a pretty big organization. The tactical team that did it is just to be complimented. They just like went in and like, okay, let's generate a plan. Let's get this thing done. We'll get it out the door. The marketing team, you know, figured out how to like spin it and put it and like get it out there and get it launched. But it's really to the CEO and part of our culture code is make an impact. It's literally built into the culture that the founders have is they want to make an impact on the employees, our customers, and our communities. What we saw with, with our customer base is, wow, like at that point in the, in the pandemic, nobody knew what was going to happen, right? And so yeah. first thing out there is a lot of people going remote, digital signatures, if we can help businesses like stay viable by you know, moving from in-person to digital, go for it. Just launch it. We've had huge, huge numbers of signups for it. I think it's just generally benefited revenue. It's certainly lifted the brand visibility. But more than that, the NPS on FreeSign is unbelievable. The more customers like and experience with your software, your team, and your brand, I think it, it just can't help but benefit 
not only the customers, but the employees as well, to feel like we're making an impact and we're doing something of value. Did it, and not to make it all about the numbers, because I agree, I do, I do think it's, it's a fantastic thing and you know, focuses, keeps the focus on the mission and the impact and, and that positive stuff. It wasn't something you'd been planning to do for a year, so you probably had different revenue goals in place or something like that based on not giving it for free. So did the revenue goals change and was that a difficult decision to make from, from the numbers perspective? I'm going to answer the question slightly different. All right. And that is, is that I think growing companies now, and especially between product and revenue, product-led growth is one of the main mechanisms of company success. One of my learnings personally around FreeSign is the more people that you can get into the product is ultimately going to help your revenue goals because then between product and revenue, you can figure out, well, how do we help people through their path of adding more features as they see a need for it and like moving them up the value chain? It was net positive to revenue. It was net positive to brand. And it's net positive to us to be able to build a product-led growth engine that fuels PandaDoc's ongoing growth efforts. I have like an internal eye roll when I hear product-led growth now because <laughs> it's like it's become almost a buzzword. But I love the way that it's, I think, a, a perfect example what you did of sort of tying it back into like that's product-led growth at its core. Like you, if, if you're truly a product-led company, then lead with the product. Give it away if you can, you know, through something like FreeSign. And if you've invested properly in the product, that will lead to the growth of your company. So I think it's such a great way to have a specific example of like a clean way to explain product-led growth and, and how it can work really well for a company. Yeah, I've been really learning this from our CEO, our CTO, both of them are the founders of the company, Makita and Sergey. They really think this way and our VP of product, Bernard, also really thinks this way. Candidly, I've just been trying to absorb and learn as fast as possible to stay with them as we're on this path. I mean, speaking of which, I did, was really curious to ask you about this because you are, well, no longer a lawyer, but you, you were a lawyer before you joined PandaDoc. So what was the impetus for that decision and how did you pick up kind of all this stuff so quickly? Yeah, I, was a, I went to law school. I was a practicing lawyer for a couple of years. And, you know, the story is, is that I, I wasn't really feeling satisfied as an individual doing the work. Mm -hmm. There was, I think there was 11 attorneys at the time and I was the youngest and somehow we were kind of like hierarchically lined up in a hall and I walked down and I, I kind of took some time and I talked to every single attorney in that, in the law firm. And what I took away is the attorneys that were longest in their, in their career seemed to feel kind of trapped and like they, they were not the most satisfied. And when I got to the partner, mm. it was like the, the maximum like of that. And I, I went home that day and I was like, wait a second, if I'm already feeling this way, I just walked down and saw 20 years of progression of myself, I have to change something. And so I spent a lot of time kind of going, what do I really like? I read this book, you know, What Color Is Your Parachute, which is like an old 70s book. Sounds like it. Yeah, right. So whoever um, wrote it was on mushrooms when they were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great book for career changing because it forces you to think in first principles. And what I realized, I like to build things. And as a lawyer, unless you're doing corporate work with product teams and things like that, you're you're less on the build side of it. 
Um, and I wasn't doing, mm-hmm. I was doing litigation. So it was like all after the fact, like arguing the pieces later. I wanted to learn how to do business development. I'd done sales a little bit in the past. I just wanted like, okay, let me figure out how to do this. Let me put this stuff back together. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at industries and I was like, wow, e-commerce is not going to stop growing. So I found a yeah. startup that would hire me to do business development. And as startups go, you know, between turnover at the top and growth of the business, next thing I know, I was running business development, helping to run sales and marketing, trying to learn a lot. That company failed in the dot-com. And then I picked up a job and as a product manager, which helped me cool. learn how to do marketing, design specs, work with developers and engineers, which are things I didn't know. And I'm just really grateful for the, the mentors that I had. And just tried to pick up as much as I could. I spent five years, almost six years, doing between product management, then moving into marketing, and then kind of going back and leading sales. And um, been a path since. That's really cool. That's a, a very cool journey. And it's, I think a, a lot of people don't get sort of that opportunity early on to sort of see their future self in 11 different iterations in a hallway and then, you know, make a, a huge life-changing decision. But I'm glad that it worked out that way. And, and this seems definitely like it's been an amazing, you've had an amazing career. So it's, uh, uh, seems like it was definitely the right call. I don't think, I doubt yeah. you could imagine yourself litigating someone right now. I can't, I can't. I'm really grateful for the lawyers <laughs> I work with at PandaDoc. And I, I'm really grateful for the training, like, the legal profession trains your brain to think. Mm. There's some negatives, I think, for some sales and revenue, especially for startups around risk. You know, you tend to think mm-hmm. about risk first instead of thinking about opportunity. True. So surrounding yourself with opportunity thinkers as well is, I think, really important mm. for me personally. Interesting. And I think, you know, for people early on in their career, really think deeply about not just the next step, but the step beyond that. Like, which direction do you want to be going? Because as your life changes and like, like you can think about it in kind of CRO terms, as your burn rate increases, as you as an individual, as you take on yeah. family and mortgages and all this stuff, your capacity to be able to make hard changes diminishes. It becomes harder to move off of these lines. And so, you know, I try and keep my burn rate super low to be able to take opportunities. And startups in general... I think that it requires people to have, have kind of almost like a backpacker mindset um, around like I have a more minimalistic life. Like I can make and I can take and, and take opportunities and look at them differently. That's awesome. So where's the next step for you down the road? Is there a, a fa- like, do you want to eventually, do you want to found something someday? Are you look just looking forward to, you know, taking time off and spending with your family? Have you given some thought to that? You know, you're you're catching me at an interesting time because PandaDoc is doing really, really well. I'm really enjoying the people I work with, and I hope I'm providing value to the the organization and the leadership and the board and all that. So you're actually catching me at a at a spot where I had a vision for what I wanted to do with my with a certain segment of my career that I spent quite a bit of time on a few years ago before I got to PandaDoc. And now the opportunity at PandaDoc is so great that I'm having to kind of rethink that and go, well, let me live into the actual now that's being presented with this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm not really thinking about right now the next step so much as making sure that this step, this now, I'm learning 
how to land being a CRO at the size of Pandadoc and the dynamicism of Pandadoc mm -hmm. um, because we're growing so fast and the organization is evolving so fast that my job last year is not my job this year. And I'm kind of almost having True. to kind of re-interview my own job and make sure that I have the skill set to be able to, you know, hit it out of the park this year. I can't think about just this right. quarter. I have to think about, you know, six, 12 months ahead of time. I need to be really looking at where's the growth going to be coming from. How do I think about that? And how do I align the teams? And how do I start, you know, doing that? And how do I do that calmly with presence, with a consciousness that allows the teams to operate where they're at right now and starts getting us ready for, you know, next year as well. I'm going to have to have you back on when you're when you're unsatisfied. So call me when things are going terribly and then we'll uh, then then we'll ask and we'll see. <laughs> no, that, that's fantastic to hear. Um, it seems like that from the from at least the outside. I mean, Panda Doc's doing fantastic things. And, and just even from our conversation today, it just seems like you take a really thoughtful approach to everything you do, which is what I think is is often rare to find in, in revenue leaders. I'm reinvigorated to, to see that today. And I really appreciate you so openly sharing everything with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Well, Nate, thank you so much for coming on. I hope we get to chat again soon. I hope so, too. Thank you very much. And thanks for uh, putting together a great podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. It's great for my self-esteem. Thanks for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. P.S. I love you. <laughs>